Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Naomi Rovnik. Today we're looking at the decision by GlaxoSmithKline to combine its consumer health business in a joint venture with US rival Pfizer, paving the way for a demerger of its core consumer and pharmaceuticals businesses within three years. Matthew Vincent is joined by Sarah Neville and Arash Masoudi to discuss the merits of the deal and its implications for the health and pharmaceuticals markets. Arash, can you tell us about this proposed deal between GSK and Pfizer and how it came about and what the result is likely to be? While it's a complex combination of two business units from within two large businesses, it's actually pretty straightforward on paper. All that is happening here is Pfizer's consumer health business, which if you know some of the brands, Advil, Centrum, are huge in the US. Pfizer is contributing that entire business into GlaxoSmithKline's consumer health business, which houses things like Sensodyne, Theraflu, and some of these well-known brands in the UK. And in exchange for that, we will receive a 32% stake in the venture. That will create a combined company that has sales of about 10 billion sterling and give it the largest market share in the over-the-counter drugs market, if you will, with about 7.3% of the overall market, with the nearest competitors being around 4% each. So in a sense, what's happening is two very powerful entities are now combining into a more powerful one. And over time, GSK has committed to break up the business. In other words, to split this business off via demerger and create a second publicly listed company. So in a sense, the new GSK three years from now, at some point in the future, will look like a business built around vaccines and pharmaceutical drugs, and the other will be this combined Pfizer-GSK business. So that's effectively what's going on. How did this come about? Well, it really begins with Emma Walmsley, who took over as CEO about 18 months ago from Andrew Witte. If you remember Andrew Witte, he built the business around protecting the pharmaceutical side with a very successful consumer side. Now, Emma Walmsley has set about doing M&A to change that. And what's triggered this is several opportunities. And it really began with Pfizer earlier this year exploring a sale of its consumer health business. That process ran into the final rounds in mid-March when Reckitt Benkiser and GSK were in the final round effectively. Reckitt pulls out at a certain point or gets knocked out of the auction for bidding too low, leaving just GSK basically as the front runner to take this business after months of following the process. Then Everything goes quiet. GSK puts out a statement saying it does not intend to bid for the Pfizer business. And then about a week or two later, they announce a deal where they buy out Novartis, the Swiss drug maker with whom they had actually had a consumer health tie up out of their joint venture for about $13 billion. And that deal where GSK effectively cleans up its own house and gets rid of Novartis in exchange for a boatload of cash paves the way for this deal, which we see today. Sarah, if I can just bring you in here, this deal separates the consumer healthcare and the pharmaceutical businesses. What's the rationale behind doing that? And what's the impetus for that been? The rationale fundamentally is that this diversified model has not been delivering full value for GSK. 
that although actually the share price has risen significantly this year, looking over a 10-year horizon, GSK has underperformed the sector as a whole. And investors have become increasingly restive about this. Perhaps the most high-profile example was last year when Neil Woodford, the, the prominent fund manager, wrote a detailed note that he rather engagingly termed Glaxit, all about his decision to disinvest in GSK and making the point that this was, in significant part, because Sir Andrew Whitty, Ms Wormsley's predecessor, wouldn't address this issue of the diversified structure. So investors have by and large welcomed this. The share price has risen. It still hasn't risen quite far enough to make up for the losses that the company incurred a week or so ago when they bought a US biotech called Tassaro. But nevertheless, the the share price has rallied very significantly. So this is going to create a big player in consumer healthcare, a market leader in many areas, I would have thought. What's that going to mean for the sector as a whole? It's going to put pressure on those who will now have a significantly smaller share of the market. I think this combined Glaxo-Pfizer consumer unit is going to have something like 7.4% of the overall market. And behind on around 4%, you have three players, Johnson & Johnson, Sanofi and Bayer. So it's clearly going to put some pressure on them. And yes, it's going to reshape the dynamics of the sector and uh, be very interesting, actually, to see how those other players respond. Indeed. Arash, what are dealmakers expecting to happen with GSK's pharmaceutical business further down the line? Well, as as Sarah referenced, there was, of course, this deal about two weeks ago for Tesaro, a $5.1 billion bet at a 200% premium to its share price, effectively, that GSK paid up. But the expectation is that GSK will have to do more deal-making to fund and feed its drug pipeline, which is still seen as subpar and not up to scale against some of the major global competitors. Now, the spin from GSK and the cash that it will generate from the new business with Pfizer will be enough to fund and feed future deal-making in that space. But there is definitely an acknowledgement that the pharma side of the business is now the weakest side. If you think about GSK, it's a very strong vaccines business. There's a very strong now consumer health business. And there is a mediocre to poor pharma business vis-a-vis the main global players. And so they'll have to work harder to basically feed that with new drugs. And that will have to happen inorganically is the strong belief among deal-makers. Sarah, that puts quite a lot of pressure there, doesn't it, on the pharma side of the business? It does. And I think it's very much the pharma side that Ms Wormsley is going to be judged on because she, right from the start of her tenure, beginning last April, April 2017, she has talked about that being her absolute priority. And of course, that's a telling statement because she formally led the consumer division but she has been very careful to emphasize that in every deal and every step she's made it's all been in service of the pharma division of funding those future uh, buyouts of companies and the ones that she's already made and that's very much how she's presented the deal that it will release more money to fuel and grow the pharma pipeline. So while in some ways the Pfizer consumer healthcare deal has perhaps overcome some of the criticisms or perceived 
problems with Ms Walmsley's appointment because she was too much of a consumer healthcare person from the, from that background. This now, I, I, I'm guessing, means that critics will focus very much on this commitment to pharma and that's what she's going to be judged by. I think that's absolutely right. And of course, there's an entire question about the future of the pharma and vaccines division when it does become a standalone business. Because as Arash mentioned, in terms of some of the big global players, this is going to be a a, a relatively small business and could clearly be ripe for a takeover bid. So we'll have to see, you know, Emma Wormsley today was talking about creating these two great British companies. But I guess it remains to be seen what the future of certainly the pharma and vaccines business will be. That was the FT's Lombard columnist Matthew Vincent talking to Global Pharmaceuticals editor Sarah Neville and Corporate Finance and Deals editor Arash Masoodi. We'll be back with another news feature later this week. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com offer.